This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Boy, does that coaching carousel continue to spin. Yesterday, Lincoln Riley was officially introduced to SC. This morning, the official announcement came out of Baton Rouge that Brian Kelly's going to leave Notre Dame to be the new guy at LSU. Things are just so chaotic in college football right now. You've got Virginia Tech announcing Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry's going to be their next coach. Miami still hasn't hired an AD, so Manny Diaz is kind of in limbo right now. But in the midst of chaos, I've always said there's also a place for opportunity. And a day before the calendar flips to December, I think the next month, the final month of 2021, presents a tremendous opportunity for Jim Phillips and the ACC to make strides towards getting Irish football into the ACC. Because they're going to have a new coach. And with a new head coach, might bring new ideas. That new coach might wonder, huh, why are all the other sports in a league, but we're not? What year is this? Is this 1921 or is this 2021? The college sports landscape, it's changed so much. So that guy might see the writing on the wall and be in favor in a way that Brian Kelly so clearly wasn't of doing things a little bit differently might think you have a better shot at competing if you're in a conference than if you're independent. Think about it. A coach just bolted from Oklahoma for another job, something that has not happened since 1947. Never before has a Notre Dame head coach left for another college job, ever. And that's just happened in the last two days. So much is changing around us. The one-time transfer, NIL. Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. Ideas. Chaos. Change. There are opportunities there. Those who are proactive on what the future looks like, rather than just simply relying on the past as your guide, are those that are generally successful. So Notre Dame might look at the writing on the wall and say, yeah, maybe this is good for us. Maybe this is where we need to be. Maybe, just possibly, Brian Kelly might still be the head coach of the Irish if they were in the ACC. I mean this with all due respect to Wake Forest and Pittsburgh, who've had unbelievable seasons. But if Notre Dame, this Notre Dame team, were in the league this year, they'd be in this championship game. And their schedule might even be easier than what they faced this year as an independent. So if they're unbeaten or with one loss, they're already in the playoff mix this week. Need a couple of things to break their way in order to get in with no championship game, of course. But if they had the extra data point and they were in a power conference, odds are they would have control of their destiny. And if they had control of their destiny rather than relying on Cincinnati losing to Houston and another thing to break their way, I don't think Brian Kelly leaves. We heard Pete Sampson, or we read Pete Sampson from The Athletic, Notre Dame reporter, say that one of the things that Kelly was upset about was that 
Facilities weren't where they needed to be. Commitment to football isn't where it was, wasn't where it needed to be. That he wanted, he was annoyed that he didn't get the things that he wanted from a financial standpoint. In 1990, or even 10 years ago, I all you would hear about Notre Dame is how good this NBC contract is for them. And I think with their TV deal, they netted about $22 million per year. Sounds like a lot of money. $22 million a year. The ACC is going through an existential crisis right now, according to some, because they net with the ACC network currently around $29 million per school. That's what they distribute. That seemed to be a crisis for their schools, and it's still $7 million more than what the Notre Dame TV deal nets. So there's more money in the ACC, and there'd be more if Notre Dame were in there. So if that future was a little bit more defined, and there seemed to be a better path than there's been to get to championships and to be competitive when you get there rather than get drubbed every single time you're in the playoff or a BCS national title game, maybe Brian Kelly sticks around. There, It seems to me, when you have a coach leave for another job at Notre Dame, there's going to be some soul-searching in South Bend in a way that we haven't seen before. And if you're Jim Phillips, who spent a lot of time in South Bend, what better opportunity to revisit what the future of Irish football is going to be? All the other sports, they're already a part of the ACC. If you're going to join a conference before 2036, contractually it has to be the Atlantic Coast Conference. When you were in need last year during the pandemic, the ACC was there for you, and you cashed in by getting to the playoffs. It's worth exploring. This is the opportunity to do so. Plus, with everything that's going on in sports right now, and there is so much happening, what's being overlooked is that tomorrow, December the 1st, is supposed to be the date that the College Football Playoff Management Committee resumes expansion conversations. The playoff expansion vote is coming very soon. And if you're Jim Phillips and you're involved in that conversation, as I know he will be, your first thought has to be what's best for the ACC. And obviously what's best for the league is some way, somehow, getting Notre Dame to join the conference. I've said this, that expanding to 12 is not going to help the ACC. It's not. If you expand to 12, Notre Dame's going to have easy access to get to the playoffs. Even easier access than they do right now. The ACC would be better off if it stays at four. And you can make an argument that you probably should stay at four considering what's happened this year. Ohio State's not going to be in it. Alabama, there's a chance they might not unless they upset the number one team in the country this weekend. Clemson's not going to be in it. Oklahoma's not going to be in it. With new teams in there and potentially a group of five, you can make an argument you're good at four as it is. But with that framework, Notre Dame, has to go unbeaten to get in. No ifs, ands, or buts. Without a conference championship game, one less sample than one less data point than everybody else, you have to run the table to get in as is if you're the Irish. Already difficult. The only thing that could incentivize them more to join rather than it being four moving forward is if it's eight. And according to Heather Dinich at ESPN, most people are in favor of expansion. And the two numbers they're debating, eight and 12. 
If it's eight and you have automatic qualifiers to power conference champs and maybe even a group of five champ, then you are giving or providing fewer at-large bids for Notre Dame to nab up as an independent, which could further incentivize the Irish and Jack Swarbrick to align forces with the ACC. That needs to be the approach. The next month, with the playoff vote, with the Irish doing some soul-searching after losing Brian Kelly, it's an opportunity for a guy with plenty of Notre Dame connections, Jim Phillips, to reinvestigate this issue. It presents an opportunity to make strides towards getting Irish football into the Atlantic Coast Conference. You are listening to WSGS Sports. My name is Josh Graham. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. So glad you're listening, however and wherever you're listening. Robert Wallace, the producer of this show. We've got intern Nick in the house. I want to shift things from ACC football to ACC basketball for a minute. The ACC Big Ten Challenge is going on this week. Later on the night, I'll be at the Joel Coliseum, Wake Forest, 9 o'clock tip, facing Northwestern. I'm very concerned about the showing we're going to see from the ACC this week. Pretty concerned about that. The challenge got off to a rocky start last night. Two games, two losses for the ACC, including a thrilling game in Charlottesville. Jordan Bohannon, who's been at school since NOM, it feels like, Hitting shots back and forth with Kihei Clark. Clark having a big three at the top of the key. Virginia had a ton of looks at the basket at the end. Couldn't get one to drop. Iowa, on the road, won the game by one point. They're still uh, unbeaten right now. 0-2. Now they go into tonight, and the marquee game is number one Duke facing Ohio State. This game's going to be on the road in Columbus. Duke hasn't faced anything like this in a very long time time. The last time Duke played a true road game, I'm talking about you are the visiting team going to another team's gym and that gym is allowed to be filled to capacity. You have to go back to a date on the calendar that does not exist. Leap Day 2020, February 29th, 2020, Duke lost at the JPJ in Charlottesville. This is going to be tough for Duke. This is the first true road game that pretty much the entire team's going to play, short of Wendell Moore and Joey Baker. Like You're talking about Mark Williams and Jeremy Roach who are in their second year. They haven't seen anything like this. I guess you're lucky that you have Theo John around who's experienced it, but Paolo Boncaro has it as a Blue Devil. And you know it's going to be a circus wherever Duke goes, especially with it being Coach K's last year. I'd be fascinated to know with how they handle that. And there aren't any other layups elsewhere on this schedule. The college football playoff ranking is going to be revealed on ESPN at 7 o'clock. That show will end at 7.30. Then we'll get Florida State-Purdue tonight. FSU having to go to Purdue. Number three team in the country. Number two or number three. I don't quite know where they're ranked exactly after Gonzaga lost. But that's not easy. Then Duke's going to tip off at 9.30, but if I had to guess, that's probably going to tip closer to 9.45. Minnesota's 5-0. They're facing Pitt, who's terrible this year. Unbeaten Indiana. Going to Syracuse, who already has two losses, including one to a toothpaste. They lost to Colgate. Virginia Tech. Going to College Park. That's not going to be easy. North Carolina. 
struggled with UNC Asheville. Guess who's coming in? Jawan Howard's Michigan team. Good luck with that tomorrow night. And as I mentioned, Wake later on tonight. I'm concerned. Maybe my concerns are ill-founded. Maybe the ACC is finally going to show something, and after this week they'll have more than one team ranked in the top 25. But my fear is there is such a large gap between number one and whoever you view to be number two that things do not look good this week. And the Big Ten shows that they are the best basketball conference currently because they do have a lot of really good teams. That's what we'll be watching later on tonight. What's up? What's up? What none of you wants to admit is that the kid is good. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. We'll get to the hoop in a bit. Brian Geisinger now with us as he is each and every week from accsports.com. But I want to talk coaching cycle. We'll get back to the Notre Dame search and where they go from here in about 15 minutes. But BG, Virginia Tech announced its hire today. It's Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator from Penn State. Looks like to be the most underwhelming hire of any of the major programs that have announced their hires thus far. And I only say that to point out that Miami still hasn't fired Manny Diaz. Now, it seems like they're waiting to do something with whatever decision's going to happen with the coach whenever they hire their director of athletics, which they still haven't done. But considering what the market is right now, BG, and how Tyler Van Dyke finished down the stretch, how hard it seemed Miami's guys still played for Coach Diaz on the way out of the season. Do you think what Virginia Tech wasn't able to pull in will impact what Miami does with its coaching search? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, sometimes it feels like these things are all tied very, very tightly together. Um, but they could also be you know, independent, you know, um, but I, I guess at the end of the day, that is all part of sort of one big woven interconnected web. Um, as far as Miami goes, I mean, yeah, like you said, I think they're just waiting to see, you know, waiting to figure out what the AD situation is. Perhaps things are a little complicated by the offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, uh, going back to SMU to take the head coaching job after Sonny Dykes moves to TCU. Um but you, you touched on it, like, they, like what I think is key for them, which is, like, if Miami is going to sort of, like, dig out of, like, whatever hole they find themselves in right now, not just, like, with what to do with Diaz, but just sort of, like, where they are existentially as a program, you know, I think the first thing is sort of, like, how do you want to build it up around Tyler Van Dyke? Um, you lost the AD. You lost the play caller. So making sure um, you, you know, you handle the situation with the head coaching situation with, with tact and, you know, figure out who exactly you're going to have calling plays next season um, is imperative. So if I'm Miami, I, I don't, I don't think I worry too much about what happened with the Virginia search, especially because it does seem like the Hokies did, did okay. Even if it, they didn't bring in a, a name necessarily, Um but yeah, I think if you're Miami, you're saying, no, we're doing our own thing here. And we're trying to find the best pieces to put around a really good rising sophomore quarterback. I've said on the Duke hire, Duke's trying to figure out who's going to succeed David Cutcliffe 
you could either continue down the path. When you're looking for somebody to succeed someone who was successful, you're trying to find a coach who has similar traits to that guy. And Will Healy, I think, is cut from the David Cutcliffe cloth, and he's even said something like that when Charlotte faced Duke earlier this year in the way that he's an offensive-minded coach, going to try and recruit a similar way, charismatic guy who's going to be available, accessible, try to sell Duke football that way, a guy who's easy to like, or you can try to build a program around a style, a style that's unique because you're not going to out-recruit a lot of schools in the ACC, the powerhouses that you hope to compete alongside. So maybe you pull a Paul Johnson and try to run the triple option by hiring Jeff Munkin at Army or trying to bring in maybe a guy like Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina. Which of those two options do you think is more appealing for Duke? Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to replace Cutcliffe because he was just like seemingly the perfect fit there, you know, for for almost a decade um, until the last couple of seasons when when things started sort of backslide a little bit. But that doesn't mean that you can't. I mean, I can remember as someone that grew up on Jim Grobe and Wake Forest football, the anxiety I remember feeling like as a fan, uh, in, you know, in 2013 or so, when they're looking to potentially you know replace. Uh, Jim Grove and just a guy that had fit the culture of Wake and fit the culture of Winston-Salem and then you go out there and you get Dave Clawson like you just found uh, you know uh, you know, another one of these guys off the assembly line like it, it's a lot harder than it looks you know and and Ron Wellman gets 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 credit and gets points for doing so um, I kind of like the like the wheel Healy angle just because I look around and You've got Mac Brown, and, and I mean, I know UNC's humming on all all cylinders right now uh, as far as recruiting goes, especially in the state. You know, Dave Doran and, and NC State, they have their own thing going, as does Dave Clawson and Wake Forest. And I just like the thought of, a, a, you know, getting someone young with some energy and, and pumping that into the, to the program and just having sort of like the juxtaposition of a younger coach at Duke versus, you know, middle-aged guys at State and Wake and, and an older guy at um you know at, at at chapel hill with mac brown so I, I i'm kind of fascinated by that possibility i think jimmy chadwell is a really really good coach uh, i'm not sure if this is necessarily the fit for him munkin makes a ton of, of sense I and mean, i guess it sort of feels like maybe he's the leader in the, the clubhouse at the moment but i i do like the wheel healy option um as a possibility for duke because i just i think if you're going to compete with some of the, the other, the other in-state, you know, power programs, um, Healy's going to do some things that could perhaps, you know, sort of like level the playing field or, or maybe in some respects give Duke slight competitive, you know, edges on the recruiting trail in certain, you know, case by case basis. Brian Geisinger is on Twitter at bguys underscore bird. Read what we're putting out there. ACCsports.com. Let's get to the NBA portion of the proceedings. I'll try to out precise the guys. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out-precise the Geis. All right, NBA action starting to heat up. It's like the stories are writing themselves at this point. You really don't even have to look for them. They're just popping up all over the place. And I figured we'd start at the best. And starting with the best, you got to talk about the Suns because they're on a tear. 
started off a little a little wonky lost a couple games but they haven't lost one in their last 16 games so a 16 game win streak for the suns going forward big game tonight how many more games do they need to break the longest win streak in nba history how many games do they need to break it not tie it remember that heat team like a decade ago with lebron i I can't remember if they said it or they got close to this is probably something the celtics did like a million years ago i wanted to see if you guys had guesses do you have have any guesses as to what the longest was i i'm gonna i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with 19 more i've got 21 written down it was the 71 72 lakers Uh, they won 33 games in a row uh, so they need 18 more games oh, to break the record. Isn't that crazy one. to be like, oh, you guys are on a great tear. 16 games in a row. Wow. Yeah, do that again plus two. Yeah, Wasn't yeah, it the I Miami mean, Heat with LeBron like in 12? That's that in second place in with 28 games. Yeah, that that was the team that I was I was just mentioning like 10 seconds ago. But yeah, 23 straight. That was a, a, the title team in 2013 for the Heat, the, the repeat team. Gotcha. Big, are, are you going to be staying up for that one tonight, Golden State Phoenix? It's tough, man. There's too many games tonight. You got <laughs> you got Phoenix, Golden State. You got and then there's just a, a chock full lineup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Like I'm still trying to get caught up from games from like last week and from games that happened last night. So I will watch that game at some point, but probably not live tonight because that's also when Duke and Ohio State will be playing. Yeah, and I'll then. I'll be at Wake and Northwestern tonight. What's the next one? Uh, Bucks, somebody else that bounced back after a rocky start, and they're hoping to carry the momentum uh, forward by signing former All-Star Boogie Cousins. Uh, Boogie is 246 in all-time scoring with 12,372 points. Uh, his new teammate Giannis is 218. Uh, how many points separate the two? Ooh. So Cousins is 246 with 12,372 points. Uh, 28 spots ahead of him, Giannis at 218. How many points separate the two? Man, can't be that many. Um, whew. Bucks are rolling, by the way, right now. Playing a lot of Giannis at center. He's been uh, awesome, unsurprisingly. Um, yeah, and I, I will to... say, say, pardon? No, sorry, that's my fault. I wanted to see how you thought he fit in to this like I, where does he get minutes at are they trying to replicate what they have with Lopez off the bench with him like where does he fit in I think so I mean I think that's the hope that he can help you know prop up a second unit with his offense and then the Bucks more so than any team in the NBA when they guard pick and roll you see it with Brooke Lopez all the time they love to drop Lopez really really deep into the paint right like it's almost comical to see how deep Milwaukee will drop its centers. And I guess they're hoping with Cousins, they're going to say, look, man, like we're not asking you to come anywhere close to the screen on defense. You just sink in the paint, you be huge, and you let Drew Holiday, Giannis, and all these other guys fly around and, and make plays. So it's not, a, it's not. I mean, it, I don't know if it's going to work, but it's, it's not a terrible idea uh, uh, conceptually. Um, as far as points separating these two guys, let's go with, let's go with 400. How about that? I've got 207 written down. Giannis has scored 12,859 to Boogie's 12,372. 
That's 487 points. You gotta be kidding me, man. All right, let's go. I hate that. That was a hard one, man. That was a really, I mean, it's just a shot in the dark. Cause I think, like, that could be, could have also been like 40 points separating them. I know. That's what I was thinking. Like, gosh, they can't, there's so many guys who played in this sport. I, I yeah. wanted to give you like more information. I always try to make it like those terrible algebra questions we had in like fourth <laughs> grade where it's like, if Susie has seven, like I want to give you as much as I can, but I give you any more, you're going to be like, oh, okay. Like it's yeah, not that many easy. points. He's off by yeah. 50 points. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> What's the last one? Last one is going to be easy for you guys. If you saw this graphic like I did last night, super impressed. I love weird stuff like this. Uh, as it's coming down to Steph and KD this year. And they are both having identically great years, with the point being identical. Because through ever how many games, they have scored the exact same amount of points. They both average 28.6 points a game. How many points have KD and Steph both scored this year? Isn't that crazy? Like, I just love weird stuff like that. Are we we sure Giannis is out of the MVP mix this year? Let's, no, we're not, but yeah, it's, it's, it's probably those two guys. But, man, yeah, Giannis is like, I, I don't know, man. He's been unbelievable he this has. year. But, but yeah, I mean, I do, it does feel like this is like, yeah. I mean, Curry is just ridiculous. And, obviously, Durant, completely incredible. Um, yeah, but I, I won't count Giannis out quite yet. But um, let's see. So we're about a quarter of the way through the season, averaging about 28 per game. Um, I'm going to say, let's just go uh, 600. I've got, I'm doing math, like 20 games or so. <laughs> 27 times 2 is 54. Uh, man, I am not good at this game. I'm going to do 5,400. 5,400? Yeah, so 5,400 points. All right, you're, you're, like a tenth of that would be the correct answer. Oh, that's the, what I meant. 540 540. Come on. I, I hate it for I you. That's math. why I asked you. I said, do you mean 5,400? No, I, come on. I deserve that. No, I, I tried to get you. I tried to help you. I was like, do you, yeah, 5,400. I just tried to do the math in my head. 540. They have both scored 544 points oh! this year. I deserve a half point for that. You Maybe. can have a half point. Yeah, we'll get. <laughs> you <can laughs> You're so gracious, BG. Thanks, BG. Yeah. You're get, welcome. Get out of here. I was going to say happy belated Thanksgiving, but I wouldn't mean it. Talk yeah, to you next week. Sorry. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, there he goes. Brian Geisinger. Just. Even when, smart. even when my thinking is so good, it's so sound. Like, I, I saw that he's like 27 points per game. Okay, he's played about 20 games, roughly. Okay, well, I'm doing the map almost exactly right, and then I add a zero. That's what we call relatable content. Nick, did you have something on that? I I was just hyping you up because uh, uh, Robert told me the answer before we started the show, and when you said 54, I was like, do it, Josh. You got it. You got it. You got it. 5,400. <laughs> oh, my God. He was like, are you kidding me? I was me? like, oh, no. I do think the MVP conversation would be over if they both had 5,400. It'd be one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot of overtime I, I'd agree with that. Dude, you are so money, but you don't even know it. But you do. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
Wake Forest All-ACC wide receiver Jaquari Roberson going to join us in 15 minutes. Robert, Brian Kelly became the first head coach to leave the Irish for another college job today. He's going to LSU. The first time a coach left Oklahoma for another job since 1947, Lincoln Riley going to USC. Here's the question I have. What is the right way to leave a program? That's something that's being discussed quite a bit. When you consider there was a 7 o'clock meeting this morning in South Bend that was initially reported, Robert, to last about 11 minutes. Kelly walked in and he was walking out 11 minutes later. Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame very closely for The Athletic, now reports multiple sources indicated Kelly's address to the team on Tuesday morning lasted less than two minutes, that he turned around and walked out. He didn't even take questions from players. You had last night, Robert, a statement that was put out. Did you see this text that he sent the entire team through some service? Yeah, it was ridiculous. For those who didn't see it, Coach Kelly started it with men, dot, dot, dot. Let me apologize for the late night text and more importantly for not being able to share this news with you in person that I will be leaving Notre Dame. I am flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to meet with you in the morning, but the news broke late today and I'm so sorry you found out late through social media or news reports. I will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m., but for now... Just know that my love for you is limitless, and I am so proud of all of you and what you have accomplished. Our program is elite because of your hard work and commitment, and I know that it will continue. I will share more in the morning when we meet. Again, my sincere apologies for not being able to share, uh, to be able to share the news directly with you, Coach Kelly. Robert, there is no good way to leave. If you're not there and the news breaks, you're in Baton Rouge, it gets leaked. I'm sorry. Two-minute meeting, 11-minute meeting, five-minute meeting. There really isn't much to say, right? I'm out. You get it. They're adults. We understand it. You have the one-time transfer now where you could go wherever you want if you have an issue with it. My only problem is, as somebody who's a lazy bum at points that sits on his couch quite a bit, that they made the meeting at 7 a.m. That's my only problem. If you're going to have me show up at 7 a.m., it better be longer than two minutes, or else I'm going to say to you, this could have been an email. What are we doing here? The rest of it, I have no problem with. I I have a problem with the length. Because if you say your love is limitless, Uh our love is limitless, I would would want to speak to you. They should put that on a card. Uh, I'm sure, my love for you is limitless. I'm sure it is. And then they could do put the, the cover of that terrible movie, Limitless, behind it. Was that a bad movie? I mean, it wasn't good. It was basically about Adderall. Yeah, like Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Maybe you have Russell Wilson on the cover because he's Mr. Unlimited. Remember that? I just don't understand where... One, I do have an issue with it being at 7 o'clock because 
you're an adult. Like we said, we're all adults. We get to make our own schedule, especially at that level. What the hell is the hurry for? Oh, the hurry was so you could get back to go to LSU to shoot this cringy ass video to put wow. on social. LSU editing team. If you're gonna drop ninety five million dollars, how about we drop one hundred dollars on the quality of this video? That looks like it's a movie. I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time last night with Sarah Bradford. I don't know why, but we have this list of movies that we have to go through and watch. Better editing in that movie. Better effects, I should say, in 1975 than what I saw in that video Notre Dame put out, or LSU put out today. I don't understand why this has to happen so quick. Why does this have to happen within hours? He's, if Brian Kelly wanted to say, look, I'm not going to say yes yet. I want to talk to my team. I want to talk to my coaches. I want to talk to the people that I respect and love, that my love is limitless for, and then I will give you guys an answer tomorrow. Why can't that happen? Why do things have to happen in the butt crack of dawn or at the, at the middle of the night and they're sneaking out like we're cheating on our wives and stuff? Why can't He's the one that is making this decision. It's, he doesn't sign the list or sign the contract. On DocuSign. Do you want the uh, do you want the honest answer to that question? Yeah, the early signing period. That's the problem. The fact it didn't always used to be the way you're describing, like coaches having to be hired within a few days of the season ending. But now that they all the classes, Robert, aren't signed the first week of February, but instead have to be finished before Christmas. Every minute is valuable to try and figure out how you're going to do it, and odds are you're still not going to be able to do it. So college football has a system, and Dave Clawson apparently has some quotes today where he's railing about this, saying that coaches, it's a broken system now where you have more coaches getting fired during the season and more coaches having to be hired before these bowl games, before their seasons are really even over because of fear of what the recruiting's going to be, how you're going to be able to put together and cobble together some some sort of class by the time that early signing period hits. That's the answer to the question. All right, so what if he would have said, all right, I'll give you my answer tomorrow at 7.30 after this two-minute meeting I have with my team. <laughs> he had to fly back there anyway. He couldn't do anything today. Yeah, my point is that it didn't matter if it was two minutes or 30 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. The fact he just wanted to be there to meet with the team one more time. And it's like the scene in Moneyball. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. And it's the scene where Brad Pitt is explaining to Jonah Hill how to cut a player. Just give them the information. Treat them like adults. Hey, I got to let you go. Hey, we're doing this. They're going to have more information for you here. That's it. Give them the information, only facts, and that sounds like what Brian Kelly did today. Now let's get to Lincoln Riley. Lincoln was talking to Scott Van Pelt last night and trying to describe the timeline that had him, Robert, leaving Oklahoma with his team still currently 10th in the country. They haven't released a new playoff poll yet. They're going to do that later on tonight. Feasibly could have been in the playoff mix today if they had won in Bedlam and beaten Oklahoma State. They lose that game, and here's Coach Riley describing what the hours leading up to that game and the next 24 hours were like where he was already on a plane to Southern California to be the next head coach of USC. A very emotional game Saturday night that came down to the last play, and our team fought their tails off. And then uh, 
an opportunity that presented itself very, very early Sunday morning and, and uh, some, some tough conversations and, and uh, honestly probably one of the most difficult decisions of my life uh, to, to ultimately leave Oklahoma. But uh, I think the, the chance for a new opportunity here uh, at USC, uh, the, the potential of this and then the, the current uh, people here wanting to invest so much to, to get this program to where I think we all know it can be and the country knows it all can be was a, a challenge uh, for, for myself, the staff, my family that we just uh, simply couldn't say no to. Okay, let's play this one out. I'll at least say this about Brian Kelly. The entire process was honest. You could disagree with it, but at least it was honest. In this circumstance, Robert, do you buy in any way that Oklahoma, which played at Oklahoma State, got back to Norman, they played a night game in Bedlam, and got a late night you up text, went on Zoom at around 3 o'clock in the morning, said, I want to think about this a little bit, got two hours of sleep, and then was on the phone with USC, and that's the first time he talked to them. I think you already know the answer to your question. Hell no. No chance. Hell no. But you know what he did there? He did the university search firm thing. Why do schools hire search firms to do the hire? So that they can say with a straight face without lying that they didn't offer the job to any other coach. The search firm will weed it all out and tell you who's going to say yes and who's going to say no. They're going to weed that part out for you. So that way, whoever you offer, you know, is going to say yes. Right? So when Lincoln Riley said, that's the first conversation I had with another team, that's very deliberate language. It doesn't mean his agent hasn't been working on this for the last week and a half. I believe him when he says, that's the first time I've talked to USC. But probably after he said to his agent after the game, hey, yeah, you know that thing you've been texting me about all week and working on the last week? I think it's go time. I get it's how business is. I get it. I get it. But it's just disappointing for these guys who say like, oh, I love these young men. I'm all about morphing these men into better people. And then, and, and then you do this in the middle of the night. I, I just think that's shady. I get it's how business is done. I get it's how it is. But it doesn't make it any easier. Because if I was one of these guys who came out of high school, I'm a, I'm a young kid, a dumb kid, who doesn't know what the world is. I'm, I'm following this guy's leadership. He inspires me every day to do things I never thought I could do. And then he leaves in the middle of the night. That's the interesting thing. That would crush me. Think about it. He chose that lie because he felt it sounded better than the truth. Right? That in his instance, the way he spelled it out, was that in the middle of the night after we had just lost, I wasn't thinking about my team that just lost and had its playoff hopes dashed. No, I was busy talking to USC and getting the, getting out of Dodge. Don't blame them, though. I think, I think USC is a better job, and you know you want to be ambitious? I'm not going to fault ambitious. Same thing for Brian Kelly. Going to LSU, where it's all football all the time, and you're wanting to test yourself. Every time Notre Dame would go to the championship game or the playoff, they'd get drilled. Why? They can't recruit the same athletes that LSU and Alabama can recruit. So you go, you you want to experience that if you're Brian Kelly because you believe at 60, you're a guy that wants to take chances and you want to see if you can elevate your your level, your standard, and your your performance and try to win a championship. He didn't believe he could do that at Notre Dame, clearly. 
Begin simulation. Initiate scenario. Here we go. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. It really is a massive day in the ACC. When you consider you got the ACC Big Ten Challenge continuing, the league went 0-2 last night, but I'll be out at Wake Forest Northwestern tonight, Duke going on the road against Ohio State, Florida State, Purdue, a lot of good matchups, the Tar Heels facing Michigan tomorrow night. So that's going on. You've got ACC coaching carousels spinning. Virginia Tech found its guy. Still don't quite know what's happening at Duke or Miami right now. All ACC lists dropped. The ACC Network finally figured out something with Comcast, which I know is a huge deal to a lot of people around here. And we got the ACC Championship game this week, and there's going to be expanded coverage, Packer and Durham, which you could listen to right here, 7 to 10 in the morning on WSJS Sports and on the ACC Network. Going to be having coverage on Friday with Mark Packer and West Durham. Wes also going to be on the call tonight, ESPN2, for Northwestern and Wake Forest basketball. And then this guy. Going to be seeing this guy's mug quite a bit in Charlotte. Eric McClain joining us from the network. Keep an eye out. The Huddle, Friday, going to be broadcasting. Saturday, going to be broadcasting on the field, 6 to 8 p.m., leading up to the national broadcast on ABC. Eric, let's go, man. How exciting is this week? Come on, brother. Today was a huge day, man. You mentioned Comcast just getting my ugly face to every home in America. It's going to be there. We did it. We finally got it done. Uh, and, and, you know, just the, the championship. This is the best time of the year, man. Championship Saturday coming up. Cannot wait to see uh, the, the the game that's going to, I think, be fantastic. Two of the best offenses in the country. Duel it out right there in Charlotte. It's going to be a huge, huge game. Let's start with the game. What defense do you have more faith in on Saturday night to get stops? You know, it's super interesting. I, I think it's a lot of people would say, oh, it's a no-brainer. It's Pittsburgh. They, they have, you know, the, the third most, fourth most, however many most sacks in the entire country. They get after it. They're, you know, the best rush defense in the ACC. But then you look at Wake Forest, and those guys are like third or fourth in the country in takeaways. They find a way to get the ball back for their offense. So, I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh. I think they are the, the better overall defense. But, you know, in a game that could turn into a track meet, you, you look for a team that can create a turnover, create an extra opportunity, and that favors Wake Forest. Unless there's anything else on the all-ACC list you care to point out, I wanted to focus on quarterback because, as you and I have discussed this year, an unbelievable year in the conference for quarterback. I, I felt like it had to be Kenny Pickett 1, Sam Hartman 2, Little surprise that Brennan Armstrong got the nod for third team quarterback. I don't know if you have a vote or not, but how do you distinguish uh, Brennan Armstrong, Devin Leary, and Sam Howell? Yeah, luckily, luckily enough, we we did get a vote this year. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. We probably watch more ACC football than uh, a bunch of people combined, seeing how that's our job each and every Saturday. So I was very uh, honored and privileged to be able to be a part of that. Um, and I tell you what, I, I was actually shocked with, with both of them. I, I was shocked Sam was, was number two. I, I thought for sure he would be a uh, three or honorable mention. I thought Devin Leary would sneak on that list uh, and maybe even Brennan. 
uh, be at the, the number two spot when you look at his numbers and his stats. But I think there's an argument for any guy on that list. Outside of Kenny being number one, you know, I think you can really dial up with, with stats, with wins, with numbers, whatever's most important to you. I think you have an argument you know, to put whoever you want, your guy, at number two, three, an honorable mention. And, you know, it, it just goes to show how deep this league is. It, it truly is the best conference in the country when it comes to quarterback play in terms of production, in terms of, of the things they're able to accomplish on the field individually. Uh, so it, it's been so fun to watch, and somebody had to win it, and we got it down to three or four today. Somebody needs to pull a Bill Walton. Bill Walton has given the Pac-12 the Conference of Champions. H- how do we do the Conference of Quarterbacks? <laughs> That's what it needs to be moving forward. Someone needs to dub it. certainly will help. If we can keep this type of production up year after year, uh, I don't think there's any question we can go ahead and steal that title. As a player, I want you to put yourself in the shoes. We're, we're chatting with Eric McClain from the ACC Network of what guys might be dealing with right now from Notre Dame and LSU. I don't know if there's a good way to break up with somebody. I really don't, whether it's a two-minute talk, 11-minute talk, seeing the reports out there on Brian Kelly and – seeing that Lincoln Riley essentially got a you up text based on his story at around three (laughs) o'clock in the morning, jumped on zoom. Oh wait, you want me to be the coach crazy. How would you feel as a player in one of those locker rooms as the coaches are breaking you the news? Um, You know, it's certainly a a different world from when I was playing. Uh, it, It is, it is so much of a business in every aspect now where, we're playing. We're we're paying players. Players can leave. Coaches leave. Coaches get paid. It, it's such a a crazy world. But I have to still think that I would feel betrayed. That I would feel left out, especially if there was zero communication. Like it sounds like there there was not between Notre Dame and between Oklahoma before news broke. Um, I would be mad. I'd be sad. Uh, frustrated. Uh, so I, I truly, you know, kind of kind of feel for these guys and and the the uncertainties in the future and you know, just everything that comes with your guy leaving, your head coach leaving, and, and the, the question marks that, that arise from that. But I, I can tell you this, I can challenge both of those programs and say, don't worry about anybody else, but who's in that locker room. And, and at the end of the day, it's about the brotherhood, the bond that you have as players, and go out and play for each other. You know, there, there's never been a coach miss a pass, catch a pass, miss a block, make a block, score a touchdown. Uh, that comes down to the players and execution, and they can still – you know, go out there and accomplish all their goals for Notre Dame might be a playoff, might be a national championship. Uh, so it, it's crazy, it's unique, uh, but it is the space and the business that we're right here faced with with college football. Eric McClain joining us from the ACC Network. The ACC championship game is going to be where he's at in the city of Charlotte, right up 85 or 77, depending on how you get to Charlotte from the triad. <laughs> That's right. I point that out just to bring this up. Duke's looking for a new head coach. I hear Will Healy's name thrown around here. And I think there's two schools of thought here on what Nina King and President Price at Duke should look at when trying to replace David Cutcliffe. If you're trying to find a guy who's like David Cutcliffe because of the success he had and the longevity that he had, well, Will Healy checks a lot of boxes in terms of offensive background, good with quarterbacks. You're talking about charisma, going to be a good guy to energize the program like Cut did 12, 13 years ago. But then there's another school of thought where you try to do what Paul Johnson did in the league successfully and made Georgia Tech a winner, and that's playing a style that's unique. And I'd even throw Dave Clawson into that box too 
running this this mesh point that nobody else runs, it's something that's really benefited Wake Forest and jump-starting things over there. And I think the triple option, what Jeff Munkin does at Army might be appealing. Jamie Chadwell, if you could get him with that offense, that's a, a, a pseudo version of the option, I guess. What school of thought do you think is more appealing as you look at what Duke's looking at? Yeah, I think anytime you, you have a major... Um, you know, just thought process change or, or you know, when, you, when you're changing an entire offense, that, that takes a lot of time. So that, that'll take a big-time commitment from Duke and, and for this coach trust that, that he'll have that time and be able to, you know, institute his, his stuff, his offense, his way of doing things. And, and so if you do that, you know, certainly it's something that this, this society of instant success will not appreciate and, and probably have some rumblings early and often. But you know, if, if you go the Wheel Healy route, you know, it, it's very similar to what you've done as you just laid out there. So it's going to be fascinating to see what Duke does. It's going to be fascinating to see how quickly, you know, they move and, and get a deal done or, or if they take their time and, you know, go throughout this thing. Do they get a coordinator? Do they get a, a someone with former head coaching experience? So I can't wait to see it. Uh, Virginia Tech clearly landed on their guy today, and I think that's going to be a fantastic hire. So you know, excited for Duke to to uh, fill that role, and we have our newest member of the ACC. Eric McClain with us here. Wanted to ask you while we're talking about coaches, do you think Dave Clawson is a slam dunk for Coach of the Year? Man, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think that that's certainly a great name. I think Pat Narduzzi's a great name. I think Dabo Sweeney has done his best coaching job, which is crazy to sit here and think about, but the adversity that he is you know, really had to to go against. And the same thing for Dave Doran. I mean, I, I think it's going to be the most split vote that we've seen. It's probably going to be the lowest total forever who is the eventual winner uh, of that award. And, and you know, it's it, a lot of great coaching jobs this season, man. We, we are blessed to be in this conference and to see these guys, and, and hopefully we'll see the fruits of all that labor, uh, you know, just really translate to the bowl season well. Eric, before I let you go, and by the way, Catch Eric this weekend, ACC Championship coverage, Friday and Saturday. And if you have Comcast, boy, are you lucky. You get to see Eric McClain's face rather than just hearing his voice on your favorite radio station. I got to know, a few weeks ago, I, I can I can hook you up on my way into uh, Charlotte on Saturday with some sweet potatoes. I got a lot of texts from folks over there when you went <laughs> up there saying that you guys mentioned it on the air and that you like it. Uh, what, what exactly did you describe the vibe being? Oh man, yeah, I can't thank you enough for for that recommendation. It actually came from Coach Clawson as well. So from the two of you, it was a slam dunk, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, decision that we made there. We started off with some sweet potato uh, fries and and the the uh, fried chicken. So a little bit of chicken and waffles there, which was fantastic. We got a little bit of the sweet potato cornbread, oh. uh, some chicken wings. Um, and then I actually went with the shrimp and grits as kind of the grand finale there. Jordan Cornette did a big chicken sandwich that you had proposed yeah the mambo um, chicken coach rick had like coach rick had like five different sides he, he just went full family style and was just going to town <laughs> over there so we had a big time uh anytime i'm in winston-salem man that's exactly where i'm going as soon as i get there glad to hear you enjoyed it and i look forward to seeing you saturday night best of luck uh in prep for it and all the stuff on air the stuff you do for the acc network i'll see you out there eric no doubt, my man. See you soon. Safe travels, buddy. Got it. There he goes. Eric McClain joining us from the ACC Network.